is true, Father. Your Son is really all we need. We know it is Him who brings eternal life to us, and we are so thankful for that. We're thankful for His sacrifice, the blood that flowed that gave us freedom. We can never repay for that. All we can do is say, I wholly give myself to you. What do you want me to do? I will do it. That's what you want from us. I pray that we are increasingly brave enough to do that, bold enough to be those that would say, I will go wherever you want me to go and do whatever you want me to do, God. I'm so thankful today that we get to gather like this, we get to worship together, and now we get to hear from your word, find out what it is exactly you'd have for us, what you want us to do today. So we pray that you'd help us now in that time. In Christ's name, amen. population is estimated to be more than 7.6 billion people. Only 31% are professing Christian. 58% of the world population is unreached with the gospel. 151,000 of those die every day. Many die without any personal knowledge of Jesus Christ. The world is biblically illiterate, unchurched, and more confused than any time in recent history. People struggle with identity, depression, suicide, and drug addiction. Media messages are consumed with sex, violence, and greed. There is a collective longing for hope, peace, and purpose in life. By 2020, it is estimated that 7.5 million more people will become unaffiliated with any religion. There will be 8 million fewer Christians worldwide. Who will reach them? All of us are called to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the people around us. Jesus said to his followers, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. But many of the current day followers have never shared the gospel with the world around them. The church can no longer be silent about the hope we have in Jesus. Reed Saunders Association has always been about taking the message of the cross to the ends of the earth, all for Jesus. In 16 years of ministry, Reed has traveled to more than 80 countries and presented the gospel to 3.3 million people and 150 million people through radio and television. More than 240,000 have made decisions to follow Christ, and 200,000 people have also been equipped and trained to share their faith. Reed Saunders is one of the leading voices for personal evangelism around the world. Partnering with other like-minded evangelists in the Next Generation Alliance has given RSA the strength and ability to have a far greater impact. Strategic partnerships with leading organizations have enabled RSA to be part of a national stage for training and equipping the next generation of youth in America for evangelism. Around the world, RSA seeks to motivate. We engage the culture, motivate and train believers for the work of evangelism, encourage Christian living and personal evangelism. RSA seeks to demonstrate. We target unreached people groups, invite people into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, demonstrate God's care and compassion through humanitarian aid.
RSA seeks to collaborate. We promote unity and cooperation among local churches, saturate communities through citywide festivals, make disciples of new believers. Reed Saunders Association has taken the message of Jesus to the biggest stages and the furthest corners of the world. Pray, give, go, partner. Together, we can take the message of the cross to the ends of the earth. All for Jesus. All for Jesus. This is amazing. I'm standing here in the shepherd's fields where the angels announced to the shepherds some 2,000 years ago in Luke chapter 2, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. They'll be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior's been born, who is Christ the Lord. Right here in Bethlehem, we've been able to share that good news of great joy as we've already done several outreaches and many people have given their lives to Jesus. Can you imagine taking the gospel to the Holy Land? This is amazing. And my friends, God is on the move here in this precious holy nation as many people are giving their lives to Jesus. My friends, I want to invite you to come back. We're going to be coming back in spring break 2020 an opportunity for you to see the sights. You'll never look at the Word of God the same when you're actually reading the Word of God, knowing that you walked where Jesus walked and to minister where Jesus ministered. So I want to encourage you to prayfully consider coming with us spring break, March 2020. You'll be able to see the sights, but most importantly, you'll be able to share that good news of great joys. We'll be doing many outreaches like we're doing now in 2020. A great opportunity to work with the churches here in Israel and Bethlehem and share the good news of Jesus, the fact that he is the Messiah, that he died on the cross for our sins, and that he rose again from the grave. My friends, come join us. Israel 2020 spring break, all for Jesus. Well, are you guys excited to be here this morning? Yeah? Everybody ought to have a promo video like that. Right? How exciting is that? I know that uh, we're excited to see Reed. Once again, he's a good friend of Salem Heights. Amen? Are you guys thankful for that? So I'm introducing a friend. Uh, I'm introducing a brother. I... I, I want you to know that also when I hang out with these different guys, I watch their lives. And uh, Reed is the same everywhere you go. He is sharing the gospel. He's on fire for the Lord. When he's at Starbucks, he says, can I get a Starbucks? Right? And people bring him from all corners of the coffee shop. Thousands and thousands of coffee cups. It's amazing. Every time I get together with Reed, I think of Psalm 70. Psalm 70, verse 1 says, God help me. <laughs> Hurry, Lord. It actually does say that. You can read it in your own Bible. But this is what it focuses on. It says in verse 4, let all who seek you, that's every believer, rejoice and be glad in you. Not just the evangelist, not just the pastor in this economy that it was speaking to, not just the priest but every single believer, that they should rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation continually say, God is great. Amen? I think of that verse all the time, and I'm uh, proud to welcome once again my friend, Reed Saunders. You bring all your equipment up here, Reed. 
my goods. Let's <laughs> welcome him up here. <laughs> Thanks, brother. <laughs> Got a place for all that. I'm thankful for you. Mike. I'm thankful for you. I forgot it was National uh, Roast on Reed Day. Sorry, That's I missed that. Yes. <laughs> I forgot that. Welcome. It happens all day. <laughs> all around this guy, 24-7. <laughs> Let me pray. Yeah, please do. We'll start. Father, I'm so mm -hmm. thankful. I'm thankful, first of all, for mm -hmm. the gospel and the fact that uh, you have energized Reed, uh, but also all of us with a message of reconciliation. We are to go and mm -hmm. seek and save, uh, to reach out to those uh, that are lost on your behalf, to tell them the good name of Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, Father, we pray that you would uh, create a hunger in our heart and that you'd use Reed this morning, not just to remind us of our calling, mm -hmm. um, but to reveal what it is, um, Father, that uh, every single person should be doing and planning for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm that we would be hungry to share the gospel. That's our passion. Father, that you create in us uh, as a church uh, an attitude, an adjustment that uh, we need, even this morning, Father, so that we are thinking always about eternity. We are seeing every single person we run into as a candidate for heaven. Father, I pray you'd use Reed this morning to remind us of that, to re-energize us, uh, that your spirit would uh, convict us. I also pray, Father, that you'd use him this morning for any of those that are here that have not yet put their faith in you. Father, that this morning they would mm -hmm. respond, that they would yield to Christ. Mm -hmm. So we pray, uh, Father, that you'd use him in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Right, Thanks, brother. brother. I love yeah. you, man. Appreciate you. All right. Well, all for Jesus, huh? Woohoo! This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Justin, I love you, Christine. I love both of you. Carmen and I are so thankful for you. And I'm just thankful for all of you. Thank you for all of your prayers and support. It's amazing. All of our trips, we, we can just see how much Sam Hyders, you guys get behind us. And so couldn't do it without you. So thank you for your passion for Jesus and your passion for reaching the lost. I want to thank you also on a personal note for praying for our son, Aslan. Many of you know he's been sick. He's got POTS. He got a concussion in football. Got this uh, cold turned into POTS, which messes with your autonomic nervous system. So he's finally getting into school part-time now. And so those of you who have been praying, thank you. Those of you who haven't, please be praying for Aslan. So anyway, and we're really praying for you, obviously, this week, Justin, and just love all of you guys. And that's not great about the body of Christ, how we do this together. And it's really the same thing with evangelism. We do this together. You know, I need you. You need me. We're the body of Christ, and God has given us the privilege of sharing his good news around the world. And, you know, I'm really excited this morning. You saw from the video, I just got back from Israel. We did six outreaches in Bethlehem, right there in the shepherd's field. We had over 200 people give their lives to Jesus, and 85% of them were Muslims. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. It's so cool. You know, it's, it's uh, to me, just to see how God is moving around the world. And on that same trip, I went into Morocco. I worked with the underground church in, in Morocco. We're looking at doing outreaches across the country in the next couple years. Be praying. It's, it's pretty crazy over there. But, you know, God is moving all around the world, from Salem to Morocco to Israel to in a week and a half, I'm going to Armenia and the country of Georgia. So be praying for me as well, just sharing Jesus with as many people as possible. And really, my prayer for you this morning, is that you would get excited about telling others about Jesus Christ. You know, if I found in my life the greatest joy is knowing Jesus and making him known. But it's not just my responsibility or Pastor Justin's or Carl's or Matt's. It's all of our responsibilities, really our privilege to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so as I was praying, getting ready for the message, I was thinking about this story of a pastor and his son. One morning they were having breakfast and the little boy said to his dad, who's a pastor, he said, Dad, I got a question for you. 
He said, every time you get up to preach, right before you get up to the pulpit, you kind of sit to the side and you start to pray. Dad, what are you praying about? And so the dad thought this would be a great opportunity to kind of pour into his son and show him, you know, how godly men pray. And he said, well, son, before I get up to preach, I just pray that God would give me an amazing message, that the Spirit of God would get a hold of people's hearts. They'd be so encouraged and so excited. And the little boy looked at his dad without missing a beat. And he said, well, dad, how come God never answers your prayers? <laughs> so anyway, you got to love kids. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> But really, what I want to share with you from my heart to your heart this morning is the fact that God wants to use your life to make a difference for eternity. And I've entitled this message, Follow Me, because I really believe evangelism is simple. We fall so deeply in love with Jesus, we can't help but tell others about him, right? It's about that love relationship with him. You know, when I'm out in the bush of Africa, and I, or I'm out in the, you know, the fields in, in Asia, the people tell me the most that it inspires them, really encourages them about the good news of Jesus is the fact that there's a personal God who wants a personal relationship with them through Jesus Christ. Because all the religions are all about trying to get to God, and God got to us through his son, Jesus. And people are blown away with this personal God. And so for us as followers of Jesus, the key is we follow Jesus, right? We love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and we allow the Spirit of God to work in us and through us to impact lives for Jesus Christ. So let's look at this theme of follow me. If you have your Bibles, turn with me if you would to Mark chapter 1. I'll read verses 16 through 20. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow Jesus. Follow me, Jesus said. Say, follow me. Follow me. One more time. Follow me. Follow me. Jesus said in 17, come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Verse 20. Without delay. I love this. Immediately, without delay. Without delay, he called them and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. You know, when Jesus calls us, there needs to be a response. You see, I believe as followers of Jesus, when he calls us to go out in the fields and share Jesus, it's really the greatest joy and privilege we have as followers of him. And so as we follow Jesus, right, we say, Jesus, I'm all in, like these disciples did. They left everything immediately, without delay. They said, Lord, I'm all in to serve you. And that's really the key to evangelism is we're following Jesus, we're, we're getting his heart, we're getting up close to our Savior, we're hearing his heartbeat for the lost. As Luke 19.10 says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And following me, when Jesus says, follow me, <clears throat> he says there's a response, right? He's not saying you must follow me, he says, follow me. And we have to make that decision to say, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go, I'll do what you want me to do, and I'll share with you with the people you bring into my sphere of influence. You know, I have this little globe I keep with me in my, my office, and it reminds me, as you know, my favorite verse. This is the verse that God used to save me when I was 17, John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the what? World, right? But I try to make it even more personal as I'm getting ready to go to Armenia and Georgia. For God so loved Armenia and Georgia. And I make it even more personal. I think about the people here in my community in Salem, in my neighborhood, right? For God so loved, and you basically put their name there. For God so loved the world that he gave his one only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, when you want to get excited about sharing Jesus, you got to have the heart of our Savior Jesus, right? Who came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
But you remember that song as a kid? You guys remember seeing? He's got the whole what? He's got the whole world, right? I'm not going to sing because you'll flee, trust me. <laughs> but it says he's got the whole world in his hand. And my question to you this morning, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, does Jesus have your world in his hand? Because that is the key to being a follower of Jesus and to be a fisher of people, is allow Jesus to have your world in his hands. Because God wants to work in you and through you to reach people for Jesus. So I want to ask you, are you all in this morning? Are you saying, Lord, I want to go where you want me to go and I'll do what you want me to do? Because that's being a key, a follower of Jesus. And like I said, evangelism is simple, right? Fall so deeply in love with Jesus, you can't help but tell others about him. And so I want to ask you two questions this morning. Question number one, who do you know that needs Jesus? And question number two, what are you going to do about it? Okay, what are you going to do about it? Your role in the Great Commission in the sphere of influence. You know, I found in my own life in sharing the gospel, not just through the crowds, but one-on-one evangelism on a plain neighborhood, wherever. I would say eight out of ten people I talk to are open to hearing about Jesus. Now, do they all give their lives to the Lord? No, but are they open? Yes. In fact, I had a gospel conversation with a neighbor not too long ago. And I was sharing Jesus with him. And he was like, you know, I've been hanging around with you and I haven't moved yet. I said, question why, right? Look, can you imagine living next to me? I'm mowing the lawn. Hey, anyway. So but I feel for my neighbors. <clears throat> Anyhow, in fact, it reminded me, this is kind of a funny little side note, but in our neighborhood, we, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the houses were rentals uh, back in the day when the economy was really bad. And so at one point, once they were going to start selling the homes instead of renting them, there was a bunch of for sale signs around my house. And I said, this is what happens when the evangelist moves into town. Anyway, <laughs> it was kind of funny. Sorry, a little side note. It's pretty funny. Anyway, but, but here's the thing. I'm building that relationship with my neighbor, and, and I'll never forget. He said, you know, I've been hanging out with you, and he said these powerful words. He said, I want what you have. <laughs> He says, I want what you have. And right there in the driveway, my friend gave his life to Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's exciting, right? <laughs> Neighborhood to the nations, right? But I want to ask you, who has God put on your heart this morning that needs Jesus? You know, I hear this all the time. You know we live in a pretty broken world, don't we? You know, the suicide rate amongst young people is an all-time high. I was just at the National Day of Prayer. I was praying for, in Kaiser at the mayor's prayer breakfast, and the, the, chief, the fire chief of Kaiser said that the suicide rate amongst firefighters and police officers is at all-time high. I mean, we live in such a broken world, and I'm hearing this question everywhere I go, whether I'm at Starbucks on Commercial Street or whether I'm in the home of a family in Morocco. People are asking this question, is there a God, and does he care about me? And my dear friends, that's where you get to come in as a follower of Jesus. You get to tell people about the cross. You get to tell people there is a God. In fact, there's a God who loved us enough that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and to rise again from the grave. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus alone is the savior of the world. He's the savior of Salem. He's the savior of the world. And he wants to use you, his sons and daughters, his children, to tell as many people as possible the good news of Jesus Christ. As the Bible says in Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else. Say, no one else. No one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And it's that hope we have in Jesus that it should be spilling out. And when I think about having hope in Jesus, that childlike faith, I'm reminded of the story of this little girl named Emily. She was having heart trouble, and so her doctor took, uh, took a look at her heart. Her parents were with her, and the doctor did the exam, and what he found out was very troubling. And so he brought Emily and her parents into the waiting room. And the doctor said, Emily, I'm really sorry, but your heart is very sick. We're going to have to open up your heart and, and operate on it. 
And what happened next, the doctor couldn't believe it. Little Emily jumps out of her chair and she said, Doctor, that's amazing. Guess who you're going to meet when you open my heart? <laughs> and the doctor's like, who? And she's like, you're going to meet Jesus because he lives in my heart. And you see, that's the invitation to intimacy our Savior gives. When he says, follow me, he says, I want all of you, not 80%, not 90%. I want all of you. I gave my all for you on the cross. How can you not live your life all for me? And when Jesus gets a hold of our heart, it's amazing to see what he can do to reach people for him. And I want to remind you this morning that God loves you. He hasn't forgotten about you. You may be going through difficult times. I just want you to know that my greatest joy in life, like I said, is knowing Jesus and making him known. And as I've been going through this difficult year with my son Aslan being sick, Jesus has been reminding me, Reed, <laughs> I'm really more concerned what I'm doing in you than through you. And I think for you as well as Christ followers, God wants to work in you. And as he works in you, like a little Emily, he'll work through you. Because the closer we are in a love relationship with Jesus, the more he'll be really shining or spilling out of our hearts, right? And that's the key to evangelism. It's not so much knowing all the right things to say. It's having a love relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't help but tell others about him, right? So I want to encourage you, my dear friends, this morning to bring your friends to Jesus because friends bring friends to Jesus. And I'm going to give you three things. I know that Carl talked about this last week, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. You can really look at it. It's Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. But when I think about following Jesus and being fisher of men, that Philip and Ethiopian story is what resonates. It gives us an illustration of what it looks like to actively share Jesus with others. But there's three things I want to leave with you this morning about being a follower of Jesus. And the first one is this. It's to practice an open heart with God for witnessing. Say open heart. Open. Say open door. You see, I believe when you give God an open heart, he'll give you an open door to tell someone about Jesus. And that's what Philip had. He had an open heart. And God used him to give the open heart, open door to share Jesus with the Ethiopian eunuch. And I love as Acts 8 talks about how Philip went running up to the chariot, right? He's so excited. Lord, you want me to share someone with you? Woohoo, he's so excited. He goes running up to the chariot. Gives him an open heart. God gives him an open door. So what are one of the keys that you can be as a follower of Jesus and telling others about him? The first thing is prayer. Say prayer. prayer. Okay, prayer is powerful, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us to pray continually or to pray without ceasing. How many of you have someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus? Let me see your hands, okay? Okay, quite a few of you. Now, if you notice in your bulletin, can you take out this prayer card? Take out your bulletin, and there should be a prayer card in here. I want you to take it out. And I want you to take a moment and write down, there's a spot of, for five names. But I wanted you to write down one, two, three people or more that you know. It could be a coworker, it could be a neighbor, it could be a family member, a friend, whoever that is. Who has God put on your heart this morning that needs to know about the cross of Christ and the empty tomb? Who needs to know the good news of Jesus? So take a moment and write down their name. One, two, three names. Many of you know my sister, Andrew, doesn't know Jesus. Neither does my dad, Steve. But I pray for my dad and my sister every single day. And there's three things I want to encourage you to be strategic in praying for people that need Jesus. And the first thing I always pray is that God will give them an open heart to hear the gospel. Secondly, I pray that God will give me an open door to tell them about Jesus. But here's the third thing I pray that I think sometimes gets missed. And I pray, as I mentioned, I need you and you need me, right? So my sister's a lawyer, and so I pray that God will bring another Christ follower that's in her lawyer firm <laughs> that will tell her about Jesus. 
I pray for my dad. He's retired, but he likes to golf. So I pray that God would bring another golfer in his club that would tell him about Jesus. You tracking with me? Right? I need you. You need me. That's the beauty about the body of Christ. So I want to encourage you to pray those three things for the people that you have on your card. And I want to give you what I call the 48-hour challenge. Okay, it's a little homework assignment. Within the next 48 hours, I want you to reach out to the people on your card. I obviously encourage you to share the whole gospel with them, definitely. But it might be something simple, send in a text and just say, hey, I was just at church this morning. I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. and I'd love to tell you more about why I go to church or something like that. But I really encourage the next 48 hours, do a little gospel conversation with the people that God has put on your heart. Maybe you need some things you need to ask forgiveness. Maybe you just want to take them out to coffee. I don't know what that is, but I encourage you to reach out to them. And then 48 hours, I want to encourage you to reach out to them, like I said. But then for the next 90 days, I want to encourage you to pray daily for the people on your card. And that's why it's a little card. It can go right in your Bible. I pray for my dad, my sister, and people every day. I have my own little card. But I encourage you to do that, okay? Will you commit to doing that in the next 90 days? Praying that God will give your person on your heart an open heart to come to Jesus. God will give you an open door and that you would reach out to them. Tracking with me? I really want to encourage you to do that. When I think about having an open heart for sharing the gospel, I think about my, my friend. He's a youth pastor, and I made a mistake getting in a car with a youth pastor because they drive like they minister. It's fast and furious. It's crazy, right? So we're driving to the Oregon coast one day, and I was going to speak at retreat or something like that, and I, we see this guy hitchhiking. And my youth pastor friend's like, hey, Reed, let's stop for this hitchhiker. Now, I don't know about you, but my mom always told me, we don't stop for hitchhikers. And this guy didn't look very friendly, if you know what I mean. But my buddy's like, hey, you know, he like flexes. I'm just like, that's not going to help. Look at you. Anyway, he's like, let's stop. So we pull over and we meet Wayne from Montana. Yeah, Montana. Anyway, so Wayne pulls over and he's like, I was praying you guys would stop. We're like, all right, all right. So Wayne gets in the car and he tells us about his dilemma. Apparently, he and his girlfriend were traveling from Montana down to meet some of her family on the Oregon coast. They had one of those arguments where he got so mad that he's like, you could stop their car and I could get out. And she's like, well, I'm so mad I could stop the car and you could get out. And that's what happened. She stopped the car, he got out, and that's how poor Wayne from Montana was hitchhiking. <laughs> so Wayne's in the car with us, and can you imagine this poor guy? He's in the car with a youth pastor and evangelist. I mean, it, it, that's like the worst where you lock the door. I'm giving the gospel to him. Someone else giving the gospel to him. It's like tag team with poor Wayne from Montana. So we're going along, and Wayne's like, you know, I just, this is so cool what you guys are telling me about Jesus, and we're driving along, and all of a sudden we see his girlfriend coming back with the big eyes, like, what did I just do looking for him? And made a quick 180 and tracked down Wayne's girlfriend, pulled off the side of the road, and Wayne's sitting in the back car, and he said, you guys are just amazing. You know what? Because you stopped, I believe God's in this, I'm going to start going to church. <laughs> I'll never forget, I turned and looked at Wayne right in the back seat, I said, Wayne, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than me going to Dunkin' Donuts makes me a cop. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> I love police officers. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, so then Wayne says those classic words. He says, well, what must I do? It's like, bingo. I said, Wayne, you know, God made you for a relationship with him. The Bible says your sins, which means to rebel against God, your sins have separated you from God. But Wayne, Jesus loved you enough that he died on the cross for your sins and he rose again from the grave. Think of it right now, you can go from death to life. You can go from hell to heaven. You can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Wayne, would you like to come to know Jesus as your Savior? I'd love to see when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of a heart. Wayne started to cry right there in the back seat, and he's like, give me Jesus. <laughs> and right there in the back seat, Wayne gave his life to Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, I share that story with you, not for you to be going down Lancaster or Kubler later today. See, say, hitchhiker. Hey, remember what Reed said? Stop for this hitchhiker. Guy's got this big machete. Pick me up. No, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. But my point is, like my youth pastor friend, when you give God an open heart, he'll give you an open door. Okay? So practice an open heart with God. Secondly is to prepare to share. Say prepare. Okay. I love what 1 Peter 3.15 says. It says, But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But don't forget this last part. It says, but do this with what? Gentleness and respect. No one wants to be preached at. They want to be loved on, right? There's a big difference. And that's why it's so important as followers of Jesus, as we're fishing for people, we're building relationships with people. Because I really believe the most effective form of evangelism is friendship evangelism. That's why the festivals we do, they're all about friends bringing friends to Jesus. You know, I love what Mark 1 says. It says the first thing that, actually John 1, it says the first thing that Andrew did was he found his brother Peter, right? And he brought him to Jesus. So as you're practicing an open heart with God, how can you be prepared to share? Remember last week with Ethiopian eunuch, right? Philip goes running up. Ethiopian eunuch is sitting there in his chariot reading from the book of Isaiah. And you know what I love about the gospel conversations is one of the most effective ways to get started is by asking a question. Do you know that? When I'm on a plane, I ask the question all the time is, what do you think about God? Do you know who God is? Who is your God? Those are just kind of gospel questions I start starting. And so Philip asked the Ethiopian eunuch, he asked him a question. He said, do you understand what you were reading? And I love to see how the Spirit of God took that gospel conversation and kept it going. The Ethiopian eunuch said, well, tell me, please, who's the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then it says that Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news of Jesus. So how can we be prepared to share? I'm going to give you two reasons that have helped me in sharing the gospel. The first thing is memorizing scripture. How many of you still believe that the Bible is God's word, huh? Amen? You see, the Spirit of God takes the word of God, as Hebrews 4 talks about, uses his sword to kind of convict people of their sins and draw them to the Savior. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. You know, it never ceases to amaze me. I'll be in the bush of Africa preaching the gospel to people that have never even heard the name Jesus. And within 30 minutes, people come to know Christ. Why? Because we don't save, God saves, right? Say, God saves. saves. Say, we share. share. God saves. We share. share. Okay? And our authority is God's word. So the Spirit of God takes the word of God, convicts people of their sins, and draws them to the Savior. So memorizing God's word is a key way. And so you may have heard the Romans Road. It's basically verses out of the, Roman, out of the book of Romans where you can lead someone down to the Romans road of salvation is the way we interpret it. So the verses I encourage you to memorize, and what I do is you can either bring it up on your Bible app, on your phone, or I usually take a little note card. But like Romans 3.23, right? It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that's Romans 3.23. I'm not going to go, you just kind of go through the next slide. Romans uh, 5.1, next one. Yeah, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Next slide, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in this. While says, sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6, 23. For the wages in his death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And then Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then Romans 10, 9. That if you confess through your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Verse 10. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And then 10.13, for everyone, say everyone. everyone. 
For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I encourage you to memorize the Romans Road. It's a great way to be prepared to share when God gives you an open door. I wrote a book. I've been teaching a class on evangelism in Corbin for about 12 years. And so I wrote a book called Activate, which gives you some tools and confidence in sharing Christ, a lot more than what I'm sharing with you this morning. You can pick one up at our table on the back just for a small donation, but I encourage you to pick one out to really help you in, in being prepared to share Jesus. The second way, which I have found as one of the most effective ways to be following Jesus and sharing him with others is sharing your own personal testimony. Sharing your story is a great way to share Jesus. Because if you look at social media today, we're talking about everything, aren't we? From Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everything we're doing, we're letting everybody know. So sharing your story is a great way to tell others about Jesus. And you can break down your testimony in three simple steps. You'll see up here on the screen. The first one is BC. Say BC. Okay. This is before you came to Christ. What was your life like? What was going on? Secondly is your C, right? That's when you made that choice or commitment to follow Jesus. The third thing is your WC. This is your walk with Christ now. Because people say, well, read, if I start sharing Jesus, people will debate with me. They'll ask me questions I don't know the answer to. Also, people can debate a lot of things, but one thing they can't debate is your own personal story, how Jesus changed your life. So sharing your story is a great way to share Jesus. Like I mentioned, how we live in such a broken world and I think about this story of this young girl. Never forget, I was watching this, uh, this video clip from a news station. And they're talking about this young girl. She's about 16 years old. She'd gone through a very difficult life, been in and out of foster homes. She had just so many problems with cutting, which a lot of teenagers do today. Just very broken. And so she's sitting here doing a home video, and she talked about how much she's struggling. And then she had this sign. I'll never forget this sign. She held up the sign that said this, I have nobody. I need somebody. I have nobody, I need somebody. And shortly after that video clicked, this young woman committed suicide. And I think about so many people in our world today that are saying, I have nobody, I need somebody. And I think about 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I think about the cross of Christ. You know, we live in such a, like I mentioned, a broken world, and people are saying, I have nobody, I need somebody, and we know who that somebody is, don't we? It's the Son of God, the Savior of the world. But so many people today, they're just, they feel so depressed. They're struggling to figure out life and meaning, and really, God, do you care about me? Maybe many of you in this room, I imagine, struggle with depression. Or so many of us are anxious. We're wondering about our job. Am I going to keep it? Am I going to find one? Wondering about your marriage, how am I going to make it? Or shame. I run into so many people that just, the choices that we've made in the past, we carry around this load of shame and, and guilt. You know, the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Isaiah 59.2, it says, Your sins have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he cannot hear and so many people, a result of our sins, they feel worthless, right? Worthless. And maybe you're here this morning and you're wondering, God, do you care about me? So many of us have unfulfilled dreams. We thought our life was going to turn out much differently than it is today. And we ask the question, God, have you forgotten about me? Maybe we're asking that question here today. We feel worthless. And then there's death, right? The wages of sin is death. Not just physical death. One day you're going to die and I'm going to die, yeah. But more significantly, really more scary is spiritual death, right? 
You know, the Bible says that God is love, but he's also holy, perfect, and just, and God hates sin. And the Bible says without Jesus, we're going to spend forever in a place called hell. Very sad, very scary. Death. But when I think about John 3, 16, when I think about for God so loved the world, I think about my dad, I think about my sister, I think about the people that you wrote on your prayer cards today. I think about our broken nation, our broken world. And I'm so thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that God loved us enough that he would send his own son to put nails through his hands and through his feet. I mean, on the cross, if you're here this morning and you're wondering if God loves you, if you ever question God's love for you, look to the cross of Jesus Christ. On the cross, he was loving you. He was taking all of your guilt, all of your sin, all of your shame. Jesus did what you and I can't do on our own. He paid the penalty for our sins. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He died, he buried, he rose again from the grave. Today in Salem, Jesus is alive. And as you follow him, he wants to use you to be fishers of people. And when you come to the cross of Christ and you say, God, I know that I'm a sinner, but I believe you sent your son to die for my sins and arise again from the grave. The Holy Spirit comes in your heart, changes you from the inside out, and he takes your times of depression and he gives you hope. He gives you hope. Say hope. Hope. He says, my, I never said it would be easy here on earth. I told you to pick up my cross and follow me. I didn't say it was going to be easy. But let me tell you about a place you're going to be going someday. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Those times of anxiousness, Lord, am I going to make it? He gives us peace. You know, there was a survey taken from all around the world, and people were asked what they wanted most in life. And the answer wasn't wealth. It wasn't health. It wasn't popularity. The number one answer people said they wanted, and this is across America and around the world, number one answer people wanted most in life was peace. Outside, there's no peace, right? But we're talking about peace on the inside, peace with God through his son, Jesus Christ, because Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. He takes our shame. He takes the poor decisions, the sin in our life. He takes our sins away, and he remembers them no more. He says, I love you. You know, Jeremiah 31.3 says, God loves you with an everlasting love. Have you ever thought about that? There's no beginning, there's no end to God's love for you right here, right now. And there's no beginning, there's no end to God's love for my sister Andrew, my dad Steve, and for the people you know that need Jesus. For God so loved, put their name there, that he gave his one only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then when we come to the cross of Jesus Christ, personally and as we share him, we find out we can have purpose. Purpose. You're never going to find worth in relationships and money and success. None of those things. Your purpose is found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He made you in his image. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I'm coming, you might have life and have it to the fullest. And finally, coming to the cross of Christ, Jesus takes us from death to what? To what? To life, to life. Jesus takes us from death to life. The Bible says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent, John 17, 3. That's the cross of Christ. Jesus wants to tell this message, his death, his resurrection, because on the cross, Jesus defeated the devil, death, and made it possible to deliver us all from our sins. We have the victory, Right? We're more than overcomers through him who loved us. And my friends, God wants to use you to make a difference for eternity. God loves you, and he loves your friends, your neighbors, and your coworkers. So from the bottom of my heart, 
I want you to know that Jesus loves you and he wants to use you to be fishers for people. As you follow him, put your world in his hands and allow him to use you to make a difference for eternity. Let me pray. Let's just close our eyes and, and bow our heads this morning. You know, I think this is a very special moment between you and God here this morning. Maybe you've been coming here for one, two, three weeks, but you've never given your life to Jesus. This morning, I want to invite you to the cross. I want to invite you to the empty tomb. Maybe for the first time, you're coming to know Jesus as your Savior. Or maybe you need to come to the cross this morning and recommit your life to the Lord. You know, you can fool your loved ones and friends, but you can't fool God. He knows everything about you. And this morning, he's saying, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. So right now, in the quietness of your heart, if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, I'm just going to invite you to pray with me. This prayer is not what saves you. It's your faith in Jesus that does. John 1.12 says, Yet to all received in Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So in the quietness of your heart, if you want to come to the cross, you want to say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. I repent, I turn, I believe that you your son Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the grave and simply by faith you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ I invite you to pray this with me in the quietness of your heart right here right now let's pray dear God I know that I'm a sinner but I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and to rise again from the grave. Come into my heart and life, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of all of my sins. This day forward, I want to follow you. I want to be a fisher of people. My life is now yours, Jesus. And so with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you said that prayer with me to begin a relationship with Jesus for the first time, or maybe this morning you're just coming to the cross to recommit your life to him, if either of those things are true, with your head's bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand, okay? Ready? One, two, get ready, and three. Just lift up your hands. Thank you. I see your hand over here and over here. Thank you. I see many of your hands. Thank you. Keep them up. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand over here on the side as well. All over this place. Awesome. Okay. Let me put your hands down. So this is a very special moment as I believe God has obviously spoken to many hearts and I want to encourage you, those of you who are making commitments, whether it's the first time or recommit, do not leave without telling someone. In fact, you can make a note on your response card and put it in the little offering box on your way out because even though you made this decision for Jesus individually, you're not alone. You're part of the body of Christ. We're a family. You're our new brother and sister. We want to help you grow in Jesus. So please tell someone about this decision. And so, Father, I want to thank you for the lives that you changed today for the first time or those that are recommitting. God, I just pray that they will grow in the grace and knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, all of us here today, I just thank you for my, my family here at Salem Heights. I just love them. It's such a joy to, to serve you together. And Father, I want to pray for my dad, Steve, my sister, Andrea. And I want to pray for all the people that you've put on our hearts this morning. God, we just pray in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit will get a hold of their hearts. You convict them of their sins. You draw them to your son, Jesus. Right now, Lord, we give you open hearts. We pray you'll give us open doors. Even within the next 48 hours, God, you give us divine appointments 
to have gospel conversations with the people that we know so we can tell them about the cross, we can tell them about the empty tomb, we can tell them that you love them with an everlasting love. So Father, with all of our hearts, we just want to say, here we are, send us. Help us to be followers of you as we fish for people. And as Psalm 115.1 says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory, Lord. To your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. We love you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.